0: All right, Heather, A, B, C, D, or E?
1: Um, I think is it C. Whatever. I don't know. I feel like we just have a lot of news lately. So whatever one gets me new news.
0: I don't know if, if there's really any. too much new news. I mean, a bunch of random people died.
1: Yep, yeah, I did hear about Barbara Walters.
0: Barbara Walters died, and so did Pele. A world-renowned soccer player and star of the movie uh, Victory with Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine Mm -hmm. about how a bunch of allied POWs played soccer against the Nazis. It's kind of like The Longest Yard, but with soccer.
1: Right. I have not seen
0: that. I have. I own it. Oh, you do? I I was very much into soccer and... Very much into Pele. Okay. That one really sucked. Um, Mm -hmm. There's probably other news. I am just blanking. Pope,
1: I think, right?
0: Oh, yeah, that fucker died. Mm Mm-hmm. Benedict Emerus or whatever the fuck that one was. Yeah. Whatever his Pope name was.
1: Yes. Yeah, there was a lot of people that died this week.
0: And the whole night new year thing happened too.
1: Yeah, it did. That happened. So, you know, off to a great start. Oh, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Renner got injured. Heard about that.
0: Yeah. Something. And it's weird. Cause they're being so vague about it. They're like, he was injured in a weather related snow plowing incident. Mm-hmm. While, well, while plowing his snow. And I'm like, that's just sounding ominous and weird.
1: Yeah, I I just saw something a little bit earlier that said uh, it involved um, his legs getting run over by a snow plow or something along those lines. And that sounds terrible. It does. Yeah. I'm like wondering how that even happened. But I mean, sounds like he's stable, which is good. But man, that like, uh, yeah, that's going to suck. So,
0: yeah, either way, that's, yeah, that's a weird thing. It's just been a very weird few days.
1: Yeah, that is for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, and obviously I don't think they know anything really yet with it, but like, I just would be curious how much that sets him back, like with action movies and stuff like that down the line. Um, Obviously it's more important that he's alive, but just wondering in general, how I mean, bad it's going to be long-term. I
0: don't know. I think he'll still be able to do action movies. If if Liam Neeson and Harrison Ford can still do action movies, then he can, because they're like 900 years old and they still hobble around doing stuff.
1: True. But I'm just like, I guess the extent of the leg injuries, I wonder how bad that is.
0: Yeah. He'll just move like an old man.
1: <laughs> yeah. They'll just, or they'll Robert De Niro, the, the thing and, put an old person. No, actually they did the opposite of that. They did old De Niro moving like an old man when he was supposed to be young. So they'll reverse that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They'll just make him look like an old man and everything. Yeah. he will just transition into being the old man action star.
1: Yeah. They just put his face on like a young person's body for the action scenes. Something crazy like that. But yeah, it was definitely a weird week in, uh, uh, in news. Now, I'm guessing the people that died, it was before the new year, right? It was like right before? Yes. Okay. Uh, so it was just the way to end the 2022, I guess. Yeah. You know,
0: Pele, Barbara Walters, and the Pope all died before the new year.
1: Yeah. Same day? All of them? Or no?
0: Pele and Barbara Walters, yes. I think the Pope was actually the day after.
1: Okay. Man. Yeah. So uh, let's see how... This year starts off with
0: a bang. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. There was some other thing I thought I was like, maybe I should mention this and I don't remember. <laughs> that the rec- the recording. Of this, this the the recording of this has been delayed by a few days. So That just always throws a wrench in everything I think of. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, are you ready to talk about this holiday release yet non-holiday related movie? I am. All right. Here's our theme song then. You. All right, are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by just Heather. No, Justin. Um, we are here to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. With the recently released Raw Dolls Matilda the Musical, we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. And with all that, um, Heather, what are your, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about this musical extravaganza?
1: Um. Well. The first thing is, I first heard about this from TikTok videos because, of course, I feel like most people at least like saw what this was about based on that. Um, Now, my first thing is like, and I'm sure you've seen the original movie, right? The Matilda movie.
0: Yeah, the one directed by Danny, directed and starring Danny DeVito and his wife at the time, Maria Perlman. Yes. I don't think it's eh, something like that. And what's her name? Uh, Mara Wilson.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And then that Francis McDonald. Who was the, who played Miss honey in that one? I don't remember.
1: It wasn't her, but I can't remember who it is.
0: That's yeah, somebody who cares. But yeah.
1: Um. Now I don't know how you felt about that movie, but I think that sort of um, like colored in for me, whether I wanted to see this or not, because I, Personally, wasn't the biggest fan of that movie <laughs> when it came out. I don't know why. Like, I I remember seeing it. I definitely haven't seen it in a long time. Probably not since I was a little girl. But it's because I, I didn't really like it that much. For me, I don't know if it was boring or I I feel like it was because I only remember just very few specific scenes in that movie. But I don't remember the movie as a whole. I just remember the concept of it and just very few scenes from it um but yeah so i was just kind of like hmm okay i wasn't like super into the story the first time around so a musical version might make it better but it also could just make it you know worse but i will say it definitely did make it better for me i liked this movie i thought this was a really great musical um movie to do i i really I thought it was entertaining. I really think that the acting was um, great from all fronts of it. I think I like this characterization of Matilda a little bit better than the movie. Maybe that's why I liked it more. Um, I I think visually it's very fun and very beautiful. Um, The musical numbers, the dance numbers are so fun. And... I, it just, it, it made me more engaged with the story this time around. So I, I think that it was a good choice to, you know, do the, I mean, it was a musical version first anyway, wasn't it? I think it was. It just was only maybe a Broadway thing. Um, yes.
0: This is based on the Broadway play.
1: Right. So doing it that way was definitely a, a good call. Um, Yeah. It was just, it, it had me more engaged in the story. And I'm glad to say that because I, yeah, I just remember being like, Mm, didn't really care that much about the Matilda movie per se. So yeah, I think that um, the lead that plays Matilda, I think she's great. I think um, Lashana Lynch as Miss Honey is great. Um, Emma Watson. She's, I don't think she can really do any character wrong. (laughs) It might not be good movies she's in, but she can't really do any characters wrong. I don't think she's so good in any role she does really. So Um, yeah, I just think they really did a great job with this adaptation of it. Um, it was fun. Also, it's
0: Emma Thompson.
1: I'm sorry, Emma Thompson. I always do that. I always mix up Watson and Thompson. Watson is Hermione, right?
0: Hermione Grange, yes. Hermione,
1: yes. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Emma Thompson, yes. But yeah, she can do no wrong. I, I just think she, she always does very interesting, like quirky characters, I feel like. And she just does them really well. So, um, yeah, that was really fun to see. And it was, it was heartfelt. It had some moving moments in it. It had some fun, silly moments in it. And um, I just really enjoy the musical numbers. I thought they were great. Like, I just, I liked this going, going in, not really expecting anything super great. I was pleasantly surprised and I liked it more than I expected to.
0: I'm slightly conflicted about this one. I read the book years and years and years ago when I was a child. I did like the first movie. But since then, I've been very troubled by uh by Roald Dahl and the horrible things that is that I don't want to say has come out about him because it was there if you paid attention. Like he was always telling you these terrible, horrible things he thought. And so then you get into this. And for the most part, this tries to have a very fun spirit to it, it tries to be very bright. And while it does have some dark themes, it does try to to portray itself through the the bright eyed uh imagination of a child and all of those things, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but then you still get some weird things in it. Like just the way they do the Rufus character. And
1: Rufus is which one?
0: The one that eats the cake, isn't it?
1: Oh, okay. Yes.
0: I don't know why I thought,
1: and this is Bruce. Maybe they changed it?
0: No, it's not Bruce. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, that fucking character, whoever it is, whatever it is, as I try to look it up over my cat, you're right. It's Bruce. It's Bruce Brog Trotter or something like that. That's a whole very weird thing. And then when you add the musical number to it, it's very weird. When they're like, hey, Bruce, you've got a fat ass. You might as well do something good with it and eat this damn cake.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Because they talk about his large caboose or something. And it's just this weird song that's just all these different ways of saying he's fat. But now he can use it now as a benefit to eat the cake and show up the trunchbull. Yeah, that's fair. It's very weird. It's a very weird issue that the, the the book has too. It's a very weird issue that the first movie has because it's the whole thing of, well, you're a fat kid. So like, what really can you do? It's just weird. But I don't know. For the most part, Matilda's fine. Miss Honey's fine. The Trunchbull's fine. I feel like they slightly try to to tame the terrible uh, imagery that Raoul Dahl tried to use for the Trunchbull whilst also keeping the character what the character is. Because the the character is supposed to be very big and looming and in a lot of ways mannish. In the Broadway play, the first, it's, it's traditionally the characters played by a man. Uh, but there's a lot more problematic imagery in the books, you know, and so they, they did try to lessen some of that and I, I applaud them for that. But when it comes down to it though, I didn't really dig many of the musical numbers in this. I don't think really many of them have any lasting power outside of the ones that, essentially we've gotten from TikTok. you know, I mean, which is weird. Cause I mean, it's the last, like not last song, but it's like the last one of the last numbers is like all over the place and used in the promotional materials. And I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. a weird. You know,
1: I was wondering if that was going to happen where it's like, is this the very last thing that they show?
0: You know, and I get that it's supposed to be like this, like, realm of childhood magic and wonder. But, like, let's be real. The Big Friendly School is also a terrible name for a school. Yeah. It's just weird. But, like, that's not a school. They turned it into a fucking theme park in the end. Mm-hmm. I know this isn't spoilers, but, I mean, that that's not really spoilers of anything. It's just it's so weird. And like, I don't know what really they were trying to show in this, like stand up for yourself. Even if you're a kid, like you can still know what's right and wrong. And is that where they were wanting to go with this? or they wanting to go that we need to protect the innocence of children, no matter what, like it, it gets a little bit muddied with what they wanted to say with it, because let's face it, children movies always have to say something like that's kind of the hallmark of what kids movies are. So, whilst that gets a little bit muddy, I do think the performances are good. I did like the 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 little uh girl that played Matilda. I thought she was pretty good. Do I think she has the iconography that Mara Wilson did with that character? No, but I think it's still. She did a a, a a good enough job, at least with this and all this other stuff. I mean, and I just, the sad thing is, is I don't remember the book all that well. I wish I remembered the book better because I don't remember anything about her telling a story or coming up with a story, but then that happens to be Miss Honey's story. Yeah. I don't remember that. That could be from the book. I don't know. It just felt like a weird thing in this. And if it is a part of the book, I would understand why the first movie got rid of it. It's a weird story that she's just like telling. and She's like, yeah, I came up with this shit. And then she's like, oh no, I've actually been just telling Miss Honey's story. Like, are we supposed to assume on top of being telekinetic and a genius, she's also telepathic? And then, like, these weird other characters, like, the woman that, I guess, owns a traveling bookshop. Right. And she just goes to these random places to sell books with no one there. And, like, she's just like, man, Matilda, your parents must utterly love the fuck out of you. Matilda's like, yeah, I guess they do knowing that she's lying and all these other things. But like this doesn't really feel like it's that big of a town or whatever or whatever the fuck they're supposed to be living in. They don't know Wormwood Motors. Like and all this other stuff. Like I don't know. It just this felt like a little bit of a step down in some ways from the other ones. Whilst just having this one song that is Instant like instantly snippable and usable and kind of flashy and fun that is great for advertiser like advertising purposes, but doesn't really service itself when it comes to its placement in the movie. I don't feel like the rest of the movie lives up to the hype of the advertising. Because the advertising is really about one song, yeah. Just all—that's the about only
1: that. one. I, I, yeah. The clips from that one number is really all you kind of see in <laughs> in any of the the yeah. I promotional mean, there stuff. are
0: dance trends. There are all kinds of shit based around that one number, or even based around one little part of it. And it's this huge, yeah. grandiose number, and. And it, with it, they use the theme because it's that whole, uh, you know, to be a little bit naughty. And, and it's a through line thematically, like, musically speaking, throughout this this uh, movie. Because it's like in one of Matilda's first songs. And she sings that, like, kind of, like, refrains it a few times throughout the movie. And, which I get it because that's, like, kind of the thing about being a child is that yeah, you're going to do some stuff. You're going to do some stuff wrong, you know, but like some of it is still in an innocent way. So like, I get that that's kind of like this through point throughout the whole thing, but the the movie still doesn't quite nail. Is that what, is that what, what it's wanting to say thematically? And then, you know, some of the songs are just boring. And then some of them are just weird. Like I said, the the song about Bruce, they're like, Bruce, you're fat. You can do it. (laughs) It's so weird. They use just every way they can to analogize this kid's size.
1: That's fair. And I guess I didn't really think of it that way, like in that specific number. Because for me, it was more of like, I know we just got to do whatever we can to beat this lady. And they're like just cheering them on because they're like, no, we got to win. But you're right. If, you know, looking back on it, yeah, they are really kind of, <laughs> it's problematic. Yes, for sure.
0: And I know, I know that they intentionally keep the time of this uh, like slightly ambiguous, the time frame in which the movie happens. Yeah. But at the same time, like with all of that, like, it gets a little weird at times because so much of it feels dated. Like the ideas and the themes of some of the stuff feels so dated. Like, oh, we've got this one headmistress that's just really cruel. She'll, you know, physically cause you damage. Which I know is why they intentionally don't put the movie or make the movie modern. But at the same time, I mean, the book itself is only like 34 years old. It came out in the Mm -hmm. the late eighties, you know, and it's, even if that was acceptable, then it hasn't been acceptable in ages. And so anytime you try to do these modern adaptations of it, it just feels a little weird. And also like, this is a Broadway musical also like, so with all that, what it's, it, It's weird, like, because I'm also thinking about who the audience is. Like, is this a kid's movie? Because you don't typically make Broadway plays just for kids.
1: For kids, yeah.
0: So are you trying to capture our generation? I mean, even though the musical itself, I think, is 10 years old now. I think it came out in like 2011 or 2013, somewhere in there. Is it trying to cash in on our generation that grew up on the original movie? Cause we'd be about 25 or so in this, the, you know, it came to stage and all this other stuff. So it kind of weirdly falls into where does this fall? Who is this for? And after watching it, I still don't know. Cause I still don't think that this is the type of movie that kids are just going to get enamored with. Because this falls, it goes a little slow at times. Some of the musical numbers are very slow. And they're like in the middle of the movie. And so I'm wondering like, is this for them? Because a lot of kids are going to check the fuck out at that.
1: Yeah, because the kids are going to be the appeal of the dance numbers and learning the dance numbers. Like (laughs) anything they can just find on TikTok. Honestly,
0: yeah, but it's also young adults. It's it's also thirty year olds that do, are doing that shit. That's you know when you're saying for the kids, for the most part, it's still teenagers. It's still young adults that are still doing yeah. this. I'm like, are they the audience? And even that's then, a fair question. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who it is. It the middle the middle section of this movie is a little too slow for me. And I think see, that the Danny DeVito movie worked a little better.
1: See, and maybe it's just cause I haven't seen the, uh, the 96 film or 94, whatever year it came out film in so long that I just like, for me, I felt like that one was kind of slow <laughs> that, I mean, that's just me. Cause I feel like that's why I didn't like it when I was younger. Cause I was like, Oh, this is moving kind of slow for me. I'm not, I'm not really intrigued with it, you know, but, um, again, haven't seen it in since I was a kid, you know what I mean? So, um, I just could not be remembering a lot of it, but I just remember it being a little bit harder to get through it for me because I thought parts of the, the original movie with it was boring. Um, but so I think that's interesting. And also like, I feel like as far as musicals go in general, I feel like you tend to like musicals more than myself in general. Um, So I'm just surprised that I think I apparently like this more than you do, (laughs) which is fine. But like, I, I do definitely see what you mean about the slower numbers, but I feel like for me, that's where I got a lot of the story I should care about from was from those slower numbers. So maybe that's why it didn't bother me in this. I'm not sure. I don't know for this, for some reason, I just liked this more than the movie. I don't know.
0: I mean, you are right. I do tend to like uh, musicals more than you, but at the same time with this one, I mean, the, the opening number, the opening sections, they didn't quite grasp me musically. And when you don't do that and you don't hook in with that, like, especially the one, the song that you're going to use throughout the musical as the callback, like theme and all this other stuff. I mean, some musicals have callbacks with several different things, but you know, when you, when you look at some things, uh, kind of like, like rent, um, um, they call back a lot to certain numbers. If you've only watched the movie version of Rent, it's slightly confusing because they open that with Seasons of Love. And it feels like they call back to Seasons of Love a few times. Mm-hmm. In the musical itself, that's not where Seasons of Love happens. Seasons of love happens before intermission and then seasons of love. Part two is what intermission ends. Like co- you come back from intermission to that. And then you get into uh, Love lovey bohem and they call back to it a little bit. And then you get into the, uh, the I'll cover you reprise. And then they, mm-hmm. they combine seasons of love into that. So they do things a little bit differently in that. But they do call back to several songs earlier in, the, in the, the musical itself. It's just very weird how they thematically do it, but it ends up kind of working. In this one, that whole, you know, we have the right to be a little bit naughty. It's, that's the call back throughout the musical. They'll have, like, little musical interludes that'll have that line. They'll have, like, little musical numbers that might throw in that line. It's just that song that that it comes from, to me, wasn't strong enough to call back to it constantly. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know? And it's also very weird, too, like, for it to be like, well... Two wrongs don't make a right, except when they do. It's fine.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting line. <laughs> I felt like that specific line, they were like trying to make that a real deep moment. And you're like, hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, plus this this movie, and I, I suppose the book's the same way. And the first movie was too. It's weird that it's a movie. Because, you know what? I, I say all that. I'm gonna stop myself there. I'll bring this up in spoilers. I think we're very getting teetering on being spoiler heavy.
1: Spoiler territory, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'll go ahead and stop. Um uh recommendations and scores. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh go.
1: I mean, for me, I didn't really see a reason not to watch it. I mean, even even if you didn't like the or like the movie adaptation, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, um, I did enjoy this. Um, I also think that um, I do I do see what you're saying about some of the slower numbers. Um, and the funny thing is, typically in musicals, the slower ballads are the ones that are harder for me to get through. <laughs> But I don't know, for for whatever reason in this one, I just kind of liked what they did. I also really liked Miss Honey's character a lot in this. Um, and I, I like what they did with her story. And I really think Lashana Lynch was like, she really shined in this film for me. Like, I think she was probably one of the highlights of the whole thing. And just even the emotion she's bringing to those songs and everything, like, I just really liked what she did with it. So maybe that's why I liked some of those moments more. Um, and the, the girl who plays Matilda, Alicia Weir, Alicia Weir, um, I think that she did a great job. Like, I just liked her the way that she characterized Matilda. You're right. Probably not going to be icon level, um, but necessarily, but, um, I, I do like how they, how they did her and how she kind of played off of the other people in the movie and, uh, Emma Thompson, I just think, did a great job as, um, oh, what is her name? Uh, Trunchbull. Yeah, Yeah. Trunchbull. So um, I I think the characters were done well in this, and I think that that kind of helped a lot with it. Um, I do like, well, yeah, that might go into spoilers as well, but I I think um, there are specific things and how they sort of draw out um, parts of the story in this that I liked how they did it and but you know and because it wasn't an overly long musical in my opinion I felt like it was fine like I don't think it was overly long yes there are slower parts but for me that that's what got me to um those moments I actually kind of made me care a little bit more about parts of the story that I think I should have cared about probably sooner and just didn't (laughs) so um but yeah I think it's it's a pretty decent film, in my opinion. I had fun with it. Um, you know, I think it's it's got enough catchy tunes in it, I think, to, you know, they might not have lasting power as much as a lot of other musicals would, but, you know, as far as the season of time, there's going to be kids probably singing a bunch of these songs, or at least a few. Um Yeah. I I think it was a, it was pretty decent. I had more fun with it than I thought. And maybe that's what it is. The fact that I, I liked it more than I expected to. And so maybe that's why I feel a little bit like I'm higher on this one than you might be, but yeah, it's, it's a fun watch. You know, it's you, you're right. It's hard to know specifically who the audience is. And I didn't think about that, but I do think it seems like a family friendly film mostly. So yeah, it's, it's fine. You know, it, it's, it's fine. It's a decent little thing to watch. Um, I, I actually did have a good time with it more than I thought I would. So I'm going to give it, um, I think I'll give it 75 um, Red Berets out of hundred.
0: I, so you and me had gone back and forth a few times on what movie we were going to do for this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a few things we'd gone back or from a while back that had come out or some of the newer stuff that we just hadn't talked about doing an episode for, you know, we talked about doing, was it Terrifier 2? We talked about doing uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. Uh, this, I mean, we had tossed around a few different things, and I had gone through and watched all of those things. I know you had watched all of them too. Um, I also watched a few other things, and of the ones we talked about doing this episode on, I did enjoy Matilda the best. I thought Terrifier 2 was just an all-over-the-place mess. Um, I thought Christmas Bloody Christmas was worse than it should have been. I think it had all the parts it needed. It had a very straightforward concept and all this other stuff, but like, it got a little too weird at times. When they're like, oh, these robot Santas are made for, by a company that also makes robots that fight wars. And, uh-oh, we got to recall the robots because they start using their war programming. Yeah. And it's just, it, it it's weird how it happens. They do a lot of weird camera choices. They do way too much POV shots from Santa. I hated that. Because it very much muddies what is actually going on on screen Yeah. when you do it that way. I don't really like POV shots all the time because POV shots, you're like, oh, that's it's supposed to be almost immersive. Like you're seeing like you would. But you don't get the same field of vision that you would as a person. So yeah. it feels like you're still watching something through a screen and it never quite captures it. So I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have it That's was fair. Santa killing people. I should have loved it. And then we get to this. And while I didn't necessarily love this movie, I did enjoy it more than than the other ones that we had talked about. It wasn't the favorite of all the stuff I've seen over this little holiday weekend or anything like that, but it kind of worked a little bit. It scratched a little bit of an itch. You know, like, I am still and probably forever going to have that, uh, you know, that little thing to, to be a little bit naughty. But not any of the times Matilda sings it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's going to be, mm-hmm. like you said, the random Red Beret girl. Right. Or uh, was it Bruce?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, from their end musical, you know.
1: That's what you'll number.
0: know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'll have that stuck in my head. It was stuck in my head before this movie, but I think that that's the unfortunate thing. Like I said, I care more about that musical number and that one has like zero Matilda in it. Right. You know? So it's just very, very weird. But I mean, maybe this is like, like you said, a a good family movie. You know, you could just throw it on Netflix and throw this on and everybody loves it. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I don't have a family. I don't have children. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what, you know, families do these days. <laughs> I just have a feeling if I had kids, I wouldn't do that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I mean it's not terrible. I mean you know maybe this still will, you know, fulfill the need of the of the people that loved the original Matilda. I didn't necessarily love the original Matilda, I just liked it. You know, but hmm, who knows? Uh, what'd you give it? I don't remember. 75. 75. I'll give it a 60. Okay. Uh 60 why the fuck was Bruce eating the cherry stems on that cake mm. out of a hundred? That really bothered me. <laughs> yeah, that they still have the stems on them, and he's just like, "Mmm, cherry stems." Right. Uh. So our official cine score for this movie is uh sixty eight.
1: That's a good one, I think. I mean, for this movie, sure, yeah.
0: Weirdly 10 points higher than Avatar. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's, and again, I really do feel like a lot of my opinion is colored by the fact that I just, I liked it more than I expected going in. My expectation was lower. (laughs) So that might be why part of my, my scoring is the way it is.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. So, back to what I was saying earlier, I really have issues with with some of the things they say in this movie or the way they act in this movie. And maybe it's it's something that's a little raw for me because I know it's it's something weirdly people get stuck on and it just bothers the shit out of me. And it's This whole thing of, and like I said, it's it's weird and kind of ironic that this is a movie on a streaming service and we had the original movie also. This weird obsession with reading is what good smart people do and watching TV and movies is bad. And this is a through point that they had in the first one. They had it in this one. You know, it's, it's in the books because, you know, the parents are obsessed with watching television. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you're a bookworm. And, you know, like all those terrible things. And I've been weirdly seeing it on Facebook more recently. And it's like every few, like, months somebody says it. And they're like, oh, you can tell those people that don't read. And all this other stuff. And I find sentiments like that just insanely disingenuous because there's nothing like it depends on a, what you're trying to say you should read because are you saying read nonfiction or are you saying reading fiction? You can't say they equate to the same. The reading is reading at that point. They both do different things for you. If you're reading yeah. a fiction book, theoretically, that would trigger more on the right side of your brain than the left side of your brain. If you're reading something factual or about the, tr- you know, like a nonfiction story, that would trigger right side, not left. They don't do the same. Yeah. And so if you're just saying reading for reading's sake, that's all that matters is that you're reading. But for what purpose? Because if you're saying that reading fiction is fine, you can just read as much fiction as you want. There's theoretically nothing any different than watching television or watching a movie if it's just stories if it's just engaging imagination because to say that movies and television couldn't do something like that is disingenuous and factually not true i mean you can engage the same sections of your brain watching movies and television as you can for reading yeah you know and also it's like well are you saying just reading books You know, all these other things. I read a lot of of news articles. I read a lot of um, scientific papers. I'm not sitting there claiming I understand all of it. Sometimes I read explanations of scientific papers Mm
1: -hmm. and things
0: like that. You know, so it can go both ways. It's just, but I'm not sitting there reading that shit to go, I'm a reader. Right. I'm like, that's disingenuous because you can also, I guarantee I could go find like YouTube videos or news coverage or other people, that could also give me the same information in video form. And sometimes I do that. Sometimes I read the articles, you know, like sometimes I read a book. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I read graphic yeah. novels. Mm-hmm. Does that necessarily count? I know it's a lot of pictures, but then you have to actually get into interpretation of art styles and all those other things. And then you also get the actual story and narrative that goes through it. You get the same things from television shows and movies. Yeah. You get the same things from audiobooks. You can get the same, Like, does it matter if you read a book or if you just listen to an audiobook? Does that count? You're still getting technically the same story. You're still <laughs> yeah. interpreting. You're like, does that count differently?
1: And that is a good point, though, too, because like also the way people's brains work is very different. Like, for me, I am a very visual learner with stuff. Like if it's if it's coming to like I just want to hear how a story plays out or see how a story plays out, I think I'd rather have the television or movie medium for that because for me that that's what engages me in the story more than me reading it and in my own imagination doing it. Maybe I don't have imagination, I don't know. But in either case, like people are different in how they best understand and relate to stories. You know what I mean? Like I I think you're totally right because. I mean I read things too but the things I'm reading are articles on stuff and all of that like when it comes to my entertainment value just a general story you know I love watching it watching how it plays out you know things like that um because I I kind of sometimes also want somebody to tell me what the vision is supposed to be for it it might not be a correct vision from you know book to screen <laughs> but I just feel like I would rather visually see the story played out for me, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I also have this weird thing whenever I'm reading, if I'm like reading a book, especially I sometimes have a hard time reading because I'll sit there and I'll actually start reading. And then I'll get like halfway down the page. And then I realize I don't know what anything is said. I don't, I don't know what anything I've read over the last half page and I have to start back over and start reading. I do that too. And I do that constantly. And like, I'm going word to word and I'm just not connecting any of it in my head. And so I have to stop and I have to go back and I have to do some of that stuff. You know, I don't always, like you said, learn the best that way. You know, sometimes I can read a book and I'll be like, did I really grasp that? Like how much of it do I really have in my head? I could listen to it as an audio book and latch on to more. Right. Maybe I watch it as a movie and I read it. Like I like keep and internalize even more, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's why I think it's a disingenuous and, and weird pompous fucking like mindset that these things have. And I think it's hilarious that in these things, they keep it still like, Hey, this movie you're watching, you should read the book instead. I'm like, well, right. I'm fucking watching the movie. How about that?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, also like, yeah, that correlation, it it is very strange because I'm not a dumb person, but I've known about myself for a long time that like, I'm, ba- I'm a bad reader because what happens is like you're saying, like, I'll forget half of what I read or it won't, whatever, because also my brain is like also thinking about a bunch of different things. While I'm reading, like for whatever reason, my mind wanders and I'm like, I forgot to do this thing. Oh, I forgot to do this thing. So I might be distracted by something else going on in my mind while I'm trying to read. You know what I mean? So I feel like, yeah, that, that can be part of it. Like it, yeah, it, it is a weird assumption or a, yeah, what, I don't remember the word to use, but yeah, like why just say, oh, but you should still be reading the book. Like why, if, if you're not going to catch it that way, if you're not going to learn it that way, like why? You know,
0: well, and like I said, they're always so nondescript about it. They're like, "You should just read." Yeah, read what though?
1: Right. Just to say that I read.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. okay, I'm just gonna start reading Dr. Seuss books. Is that the same thing? Does that count as the same mental acuity, like acuity right. to it? Like, yep. and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I I used to read a lot more than I do now, but. Mm-hmm. It it never always latched on as much. I mean, when I was younger, I was obsessed with the book Moby Dick. Obsessed with it. And I'm talking about when I was like eight or nine. Infinitely too young to be reading that book. I know Matilda read it before school started, but still. I was obsessed with that book. And I would read it, and I would read it read it and I read it multiple times and I finally realized at one point I was obsessed with reading that book because I never really read it like I never really kept any of the information I never really absorbed what it was doing so I always felt like because it's, it's a fucking huge ass book mm-hmm. and it's all about old shit and all this other stuff. So I'm reading it over and over again. Because I would get little bits of information each time. But it's because I was never grasping any of it. Hmm.
1: Like it was okay. never really
0: fully sitting in me. Yeah. And. Whereas, you know. watched my first like, you know. I don't remember who did it. But it was like a two hour special. Like one of those two hour mini you know, event things on television where it ends up being like a four or five hour movie of, of Moby Dick over like they do it like on a Sunday and a Monday oh, yeah. whatever, and all that mm-hmm. shit before I really grasped it. Mm. Like all of a sudden I was able to internalize a lot of the things that the, the book was talking about and some of the themes and like, huh? Okay. Yep. You know, I read a ton of Stephen King when I was uh, younger. I was always obsessed with really big books and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think it's because like of the way I read, like I said, I'd read the same book like 20 times just to like actually absorb everything in it because like my mind would just skip sections. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, that's what it would be. It would be like, I'm looking at the words and I'm going through them and I'm, you know, doing, I'm going through all the motions of reading. I'm not actually reading.
1: So was a book like, for example, like it, was that easier or harder for you? Because I know like every chapter kind of jumps like to different times and different people and what's going on with their story, right?
0: When I read it, I was in eighth grade. Hmm. Yeah, no, that was a mess. Yeah. Um, it's the same reason why I had such a huge problem trying to read the Game of Thrones books. Mm-hmm. Like when I sat down and tried to read them. It's all over the place. And every time it changes, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like I could not really latch on to it. But got the audio books, listened through them. It clicked a lot more. Yeah. You know, I was able to actually retain the information doing an audiobook, And I mean, it is what it is. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I hate, like I said, the pompousness of it all, especially in media like this. Yeah. Don't sit there and do the whole thing of, ah, you watch TV and movies, you're dumb while you're watching this fucking movie. Right. Like, what the fuck is that?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And like yeah. I said, that's a theme that they're keeping from the book. But I'm like, do you really want to keep all of Roald Dahl's themes? The man was garbage. Mm. The man was a huge anti-Semite. The man also had huge problems with race. I mean, you want to sit there and you take this movie and you really, you really think Roald Dahl's going to be great with the fact that you have Miss Honey played by a black woman? No. Ugh. Yeah. Garbage person.
1: Mm, Yeah, that changes things.
0: (laughs) You know, so I'm like, do you really want to keep all his themes? Because he didn't really leave those out of his children's books either. Mm. Go read the Twits. Go read Willy Wonka. Go read Matilda itself. The Trunchbull does use a lot of stereotypes and a lot of imagery of what would be called or what would be considered of the anti-Semitic persuasion.
1: Mm.
0: Go read witches. Same thing. You know, he's not really, you know, the best of people to, you know, what to.
1: that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And I'm glad that they kind of got rid of a lot of that in this, but it's still very problematic in the end with, if you want to keep his stuff. Now, one of the things too, that like they did leave out like three or four musical numbers from this that are in the play. And then they did add one in this that's not in the play, so okay. I don't know. Maybe that could be some of it. Maybe maybe those musical numbers that are in the play would that aren't in this. Maybe those would have been better for me. Maybe those are like an an upbeat number or something in mm. the middle or something like that. I know one of them is called Telly, so I think that that's the parents singing about how much they love television. And that sounds like my kind of song, mm. <laughs> right? You know,
1: see, so I was wondering if that would have been about the telekinetic thing.
0: Maybe. We'll, no, no, no. Telly is a sl- uh, British slang for television.
1: Oh, that's true. It is. You're right. Okay. Yes.
0: And so, and that's one of the things is you have to remember because this is British. Like, I know this is right. British, but like the source material is British. Like, the only thing is, is Matilda, the, the movie from the 90s isn't.
1: Right. But everything yeah. else
0: inherently about it is British.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Like, this technically yeah.
0: started, I believe, as a West End musical before it came to Broadway. So it did start in London before it came here even, you know.
1: That's, yeah. And that's that's fair. I forget that it's (laughs) because a lot of my memories, the older movie, because I didn't read the book or, you know, see the musical. So you're right.
0: Yeah. But, you know, so there's little things like that. And it's just... And like, it's one of those things like, to me, don't get me wrong. If you like reading books and all that other stuff, it's fine. It's like, just don't act like you're superior to things because the amount of, if, like I said, if it's all just about reading and stories and all these other things, I'd argue I've consumed as many stories as even the most avid of book readers.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it is one of those like how we've talked before about people who make certain things like a personality trait of theirs. <laughs> There's sometimes there are people that are like, "Oh no, I don't watch things. I read." Like there are people that do that kind of
0: thing. Oh yeah, because there are the people who are like, "Oh, I don't even own a television." Right. Like that doesn't make you fucking special. I mean, to <laughs> me, that's honestly. Like their version of it if, if, would be if I was like, I don't even own a book. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even own books. Right. Like, yeah, I feel the same way about you saying I don't even own a television. Right. I like, and, and, I don't know. It's also these people that get all weird with books too. Cause they're like, oh, I have to buy paper books now. I have to physically touch a book. I'm like. You can have every book ever written in the fucking palm of your hand on an iPad and you're like, oh no, I have to have 9,000 tons of fucking books or it doesn't count. I'm like, geez, people embrace the future. I mean, my iPad is a library and a video store wrapped up into one.
1: This is true. Yeah, that's, that's how that works. Like, I mean, I even have a friend who is a librarian, right? Like she's got a master's degree all these things she loves reading she loves books but even she'll say like oh no like i totally love watching things like i visually love watching how stories come to life on on screen too like they both can be true (laughs) like it doesn't like it's not like you have to be one or the other you can be both you know what i mean like it's yeah it's just interesting how there is still that weird stigma of like oh you don't read like, yeah, it's it's interesting.
0: Well, and I, and I mean, I typically wouldn't have even brought that this whole thing up on the podcast, except for the fact that that's part of the theme of this show. Was mm-hmm. it the movie? It is the book. Like, it is this weird theme in this. And like I said, I just find it so ironic that anybody that adapts this material feels like they need to put that in there. Like, right. You're doing it in a fucking movie.
1: So... <laughs> Contradiction or what? (laughs) Yeah, no, I understand that.
0: I mean, then, you know, going back into this movie a little bit more specifically and stuff like that. I think the original Matilda did a better job of showing the parents being shitty though. I feel like in this movie, she actually had very little interaction with her parents. You know, it'd just be like at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, and it's like that is like that didn't show too many times of them just being around each other or anything like that. So it's very kind of weird. And then at the end of the movie, I thought it was a little bit more jarring too because they sit there and he's like, "Oh, so let me get this straight. You want to take my daughter?" And it's weird that that's the first time in the whole fucking movie or the whole story that he's like calls her, her his daughter. And then even Matilda's taken aback by that. She's like, what'd you call me?
1: Right. And to what avail? I was thinking the same thing. But
0: then what did it matter in the end? Because then right after that, she's like, yeah, I'm going to go with Miss Honey. And he's like,
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was odd too. I was going to bring that up too. Because I was like, why was that in there? Because it didn't change the course of what happens
0: (laughs) in the story. Yeah. Like that's what you do when you want to cause the, like the conflict of, Oh, maybe he does care.
1: Yeah, maybe I do want to stay with them or something like that. You know.
0: Yeah, like to cause that internalized conflict with it, and it's like it did for like two seconds, and like that was like her incentive to take his hat off. Yeah, like that was it. Like that was the the incentive she needed to remove his hat for him because she had super glued it on him. I'm like, that is just so weird. And like Yeah, that was interesting placement. Yeah, and the one thing I appreciated more about in the Danny DeVito one is that it showed them being more criminally. Like, at the end of this, he's just like, nah, I gotta get out of here. Whereas in the other one, they're like, oh yeah, they want to arrest us. Because like, you see like the FBI like investigating them and stuff like that. Like, you know, so I, I appreciated that a little bit more where it showed a little bit of the more of the through line of like, oh, these people are so bad. They are being criminally investigated. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Plus, it was kind of weird that her brother wasn't in this. She does have an older yeah. brother.
1: That is. Yeah, I did forget about that until I was like reflecting on the other movie. I was like, oh, yeah, there was another sibling there.
0: Yeah. I think that this also could have used that because I liked the balance of he's like them and she's not. I think it balances the story a little bit better than it's just her versus her parents. You know, I liked it when it's even they have another kid and it's like, it makes her more of an outcast from her family, which makes it feel better when Miss honey takes her at the end.
1: Mm, That's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, because like you have the sibling that they're just like, yeah, he's so much better than you because he's like us, right? See, it's that that little bit more of a wedge that to me makes a little bit more sense.
1: Yeah. Did they actually? Did they go into Miss Honey's backstory a lot in the first film or the just the the movie version?
0: Um, in what way? Like, like they go just, into the fact that mm-hmm. the Trunchables, her aunt, mm-hmm. and may or may not have killed her dad.
1: Okay. Yeah. And
0: stole all her money and inheritance and all that. Okay. That is from the book and from the first movie.
1: Okay. See, yeah. And I, and I, I guess I just forgot a lot of Miss Honey actually having a backstory. From the first movie. Um, you know and I didn't remember the whole like. You know her. I don't know if the whole. Acrobat thing was. Like a thing in it. Or I don't know if that was. A real thing. Um,
0: That could have been in the books. I don't remember. It's not in the okay. first movie.
1: Yeah so I don't know. I just i I didn't remember a lot about. Miss Honey. Other than that she was the very sweet kind teacher. That really loved Matilda for who she was. That was the only thing I really remembered about Miss Honey from the movie. Um, And I don't know. And maybe that's why, you know, maybe maybe I should have probably like watched that movie again before seeing this. But um, I was just very drawn to her character more. But I also think that her performance, that Lashana Lynch's performance as Miss Honey was um, probably like the most the best performance of the, of the movie, I would say probably. Um, I don't know. I just really liked it and the vulnerability that she shows with her singing, but just the way that she like, yeah, just her dynamic with Matilda. I just thought was really good in this, Um, you know, but again, basing it off of not remembering much about the first movie. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just thought like, it was very endearing her story. And I think, what I, why I liked some of those moments where it was a slower song and stuff like that is I feel like they did a, a good, a good way of showing how it seems like Matilda felt like she was just very similar to Miss Honey. Like they might have had sort of different reasons for their family situations, but she just felt like they were one and the same. Like, it just felt like they were trying to mirror an image that, you know, they felt like they they were from the same cloth and they they were very much the same and related to each other a lot. And I like how they kind of visually did that and some of these numbers that they did in this movie.
0: No, that's fair. Because that, that is like what so much of this movie does hinge on is whether or not you like or connect with the Miss Honey Matilda you know
1: relationship
0: Yeah, Yeah. but see then like one of the things that I think bothered me about this movie too was the lady with the traveling bookshop or library or whatever the fuck it was
1: Mm -hmm.
0: was that the library because she kept saying she would get stuff from the library
1: yeah I'm not sure I don't know
0: but she was telling her the story of the acrobat and the escapologist. And I think my problem with it is, is the, let's just say it was the librarian was just like, oh my God, I can't wait. Like, tell me more of the story, all this other shit. And I'm like, why? She's telling the story like a little kid does. And like, yeah. I hate the way little kids tell stories. <laughs> Like so many things are longer than they need to be. And they throw shit in there and it's just so random, but they're sitting there and like, you know, the trick of the, you know, exploding acrobat with dynamite and her hair, swinging over a pit of sharks and spiky objects to be caught by the, the man in a cage. I'm like, the fuck <laughs> is that? Yeah. Yeah. And she would have to say it every time. And I'm like, that is garbage. Mm -hmm. And that's why I hate little kids telling the stories, but it also had that very much that way of storytelling where it's like, you know, and then she did the flip and then she flew across the thing. And then the guy caught her, but just, he didn't actually catch her, but he was going to catch her. And I'm like, this is the worst story ever.
1: (laughs) I get that. Yeah. I thought that that was interesting. And also just that lady, where yeah like at first like you said where she was like oh your your parents must really love you and then as she's telling these stories it almost feels like she's seeing that there's like trouble at home but it's not like she didn't actually do anything about it or try to explore that really further she says is everything okay you know she does that moment in there and she's like yeah that everything's fine my family loves me or whatever but I feel like as an adult, hearing a child's stories like this, like, wouldn't you just really be like, I'm concerned about your home life. (laughs) Like, I just feel like as an adult, wouldn't you, and the fact that she never wants to be home and she stays there as late as she can talking to this lady. Like, I just feel like that should have been a little bit of a red flag for this lady to be like, something's up. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, I agree. And every time she was just like, whoa, Matilda, this is getting a little dark.
1: Mm -hmm. Matilda
0: would just be like, "Hmm." (laughs) and then she'd be like, oh, Matilda.
1: Yeah, she's just like, where is this coming from? You know, like, yeah, you're right. And just, it's not explored. And I actually think that it would have been a nice addition to kind of do that because, you know, I just feel like if you're trying to make a modern version of this, like that's probably something that, would happen, but again, they're a little bit more ambiguous about when this takes place.
0: Well, that's one of the reasons why they also make sure that they don't like they make the wormwoods not completely physically abusive. Yeah, because
1: like, then there would have had to <laughs> do something more.
0: Also, I I do I don't I don't remember her name, but the the little girl with the red beret. Hmm. Why did the Trunchbull let her wear a red beret? That's obviously breaking the school uniform. That's fair. they tell you several times throughout the movie, if the Trunchbull cares about anything, it's rules. So why are they letting this girl break the rules? Because it's not like she had any particular allegiance to the Trunchbull. That's true. In fact, it was like she had been punished so many times by the Trunchbull. She was like, hey, you don't get it, but I do. I've been to the Chokey. Mm-hmm. Like, I know these things.
1: Now, and I, I can't remember specifically, was she wearing it actually in class too, or was it only like at recess and stuff like that?
0: Well, it was on the grounds, which to me is the okay. same thing.
1: Same thing. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Because yeah, she no, that's a good point. theoretically an older child, so she might have been one of the 11-year-olds. So, you know, she wouldn't have been in the same classes, and you don't really see anybody's classes but Miss Honey's. Mm-hmm. You know, and but like, yeah. I mean, to me, it would still be against school uniform.
1: That's a good point. Hmm. See, and also, so
0: many of these things, like the, it, it's weird. Like you could tell they stole it from the book or something like that, without really thinking it through. With some of the things, whatever the, what was it, the kid Nigel, and he's like, oh everybody has to help me. The Trunchbull's looking for me because she thinks I poured something on her chair and she got stuck and you have to hide me and all these other things. And they're like, yeah, kid's been under there for an hour. <laughs> Trunchbull has 90 billion cameras around.
1: Yeah. she Wouldn't she know? Like,
0: you know what I mean? I'm like, wouldn't mm, she know? That's fair. Like they have her watching so much shit on cameras yet which I think is something they just added for the musical or maybe even for this movie, you know, but at nowhere else to like, they keep everything else based on like the book where there's no cameras, you know what I mean? So like these plot lines and these little story elements that they add to it make no sense in the, in the realm of the school having cameras. That's true. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you're right conveniences sort of in the movie (laughs) flaws and conveniences. Yeah.
0: Hey, but that kids, uh, we are revolting children. It's a banger of a song.
1: It really is. Yeah.
0: It's a banger of dance movements.
1: It's, it's really just the best part of the whole movie. I actually just remember like sitting through being like, when are we getting to that song? (laughs) You know, I had seen so much of it before that I was like, when are we getting to this part? And then I'm like, I bet they're going to wait till the very end. And they're like, yep, of course they did. So, and and I mean, it was, it really was the highlight and definitely the best song, the best scene, like the fun moment of the movie for sure. Um, and it was a great moment. It really was. But yeah. And, and maybe because they ended it on like that note. I don't know. I, I enjoyed that. I'm like, yeah, you leave it. And you're just like, oh, that's so, that's so great of them. Like at the end of the movie and. So I don't know. But you're right. It the other songs pale in comparison, I would definitely say. Um, but I did like Miss uh, Miss Honey's uh slow song she did about her house that she lived in. I liked that song. I thought that was a good one. Um but yeah, I mean there's just no beating the Revolting Children song.
0: Oh, to me that house song was one of the worst.
1: <laughs> really?
0: She's just like, yeah, look at my little house. I'm going to sing this song for 97 years. (laughs) It just never felt like it was ending.
1: You know, it's so weird because I don't even think that this musical is really like an exception to the rules for me of musicals I like in any sort of way. But I don't know. It's just weird because... The ballads of musicals are usually the parts I least enjoy. But for whatever reason, I just liked that song in that moment. You know, they were just, you know, had a good moment together. And she did the song and I thought it worked, you know. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, you got any more thoughts about this movie here?
1: Um, I mean... I don't think so. I did, I do remember and I noticed that they, at least from the, the movie to this, they kind of switched up which parent was more like dominant in the whole, I hate Matilda thing. Like I think in the, the Danny DeVito movie, it was Rita Pearlman, Rhea Pearlman's character that was more like the, you know, Oh, we've got to go and all these things. And like, Oh, but you're my only daughter. And like, she was that person. But in this one, it was the dad that was more like that. The mom was very much like whatever about it the whole time. Like that moment that they have, I feel like, yeah, they switched which parent it was with. And I don't know if there was a reason for that, but I just, that is something I do remember from the, from the uh, Danny DeVito movie. But, um, I mean, I don't think it makes a difference because both of them obviously just didn't care either way. And the fact that he kept calling her a little boy, which was like, and again, that speaks to the whole thing of why have that arc in there at the end for no reason? Because the whole time he's like, come here, boy, and like didn't even call her by name. And then suddenly he's like, you want to take my daughter? Like it, it, it speaks to the whole thing of, oh, he's just, you know. Being that way with her, but deep down, he knows who she is and he loves her as his daughter. Like, that's the vibe that you feel like that's supposed to be giving off. And then when she's like, Oh, did you just call me your daughter? And like, it was such a short lived moment that just amounted to nothing. Like, it just means absolutely nothing. Cause I honestly, for a minute, was like, Is she gonna have a hard time deciding to stay with Miss Honey? And then she's like, Yeah, I wanna stay with Miss Honey. So it really, That I will say is definitely the most confusing thing about it for me was like, I don't know why they needed that moment when it just makes you feel like, oh, maybe her, maybe her parents aren't as bad as they're trying to make us think they are, but then be like, okay, well that's fine. You could stay with her. Like it just, you're right. I, I think that that did not make sense to have to have in the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's just was- so
0: weird that they just throw that in the end. Um. Anyway, final thoughts. That was it. Good.
1: That's, that's all I got. Just that I'm surprised that I liked this more than you did.
0: Eh. You're more of a softie than I am though, too.
1: It's true. Yeah. Like those sentimental moments probably got me a little bit more than they, <laughs> it's,
0: yes. Yeah. Then I don't care. Because I right. kind of agree with the wormwoods. I'm like, she's a filthy book reader.
1: <laughs> Get her away.
0: He's trying to taint things with books.
1: How dare I she? Trust it.
0: I don't trust it.
1: Yeah. Like, what would you even do if you had to adopt a child like that? You know? I don't yeah, you know got what got to
0: do. Perfectly good television right there. And she's like, Oh, I want to read. Well, that's so lame. <laughs> anyway. I do agree with that. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this random episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook where Cinema Slayers Podcast. Twitter and Instagram where Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh TikTok where Cinema Slayers pod. Uh YouTube, where where we are uh at Cinema Slayers Pod. Um Give us a five-star rating or review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo, Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' families, tell your family's friends, and most of all, tell, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love
1: revolting children.
0: That sounds terrible.
1: <laughs> I had nothing else. I was really trying to think of anything else. And that's the only thing that could stick in my mind from this film.
0: You know what? That reminds me. You know why I didn't like this movie? The first song is about how mi- much of a miracle children are.
1: <laughs> that set the whole tone for you.
0: You're just like, like oh, no lies, children are miracles. And I'm like, this is garbage and terrible, <laughs> and just nothing but lies. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. It just set it up for me to never like this movie.
1: How about this? Mothers love watching the telly. That's fair. Yeah.
0: Um, and as I, uh, so, and as I uh, <laughs> just remember here at cinema slayers, we are both pro slut and pro Sydney. And as always in this podcast, the YouTube videos and TikToks. just remember, according to Justin moon night is a best picture winner.
1: but you all
0: right are you ready yeah. Come on. cinema slayers I had if to get Justin, something so my cat wouldn't get to it if
1: Jason were here he would have been singing the end song for us as the outro went out
0: either that or he would have been singing about how much children are miracles or some bullshit <laughs>
1: Just to troll you, probably.
0: That was the worst musical number idea ever. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Looking back on it, that's what it was.
1: You finally figured it out.
0: Yeah. Just from the beginning. Like, what? how the fuck am I supposed to love this or connect movie. to a musical who is just all about how Children are miracles. <laughs> so that that's my problem with this. And why, like I said, throughout the through point in the themes of this musical, I was just never really on board. That's why.
1: I do like that you process that as we did this podcast. Well,
0: it's because you said revolting children.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And I was like, but then they have that song about... Like mothers loving their children. And I was like, that's what it was. Yeah. <sighs> Disgusting. Now I'm on the side of the wall. Revolting. And the Wormwoods. Children are revolting. All right, I'm out.